Hello, everybody. Greetings out there. This is Jerry Lee. We're so happy to have you with us today on this live broadcast of The Whisper of Satan. I have had several requests to play and sing the song that I composed some time ago called My Father's House. Most of you would be knowledgeable of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And it starts off saying, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go away to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. And so that's what this song is written about, my Father's house, the place that the Lord has called us to go and to be with Jesus someday. I am playing the piano for myself, and I'll be singing this song at this time. If all, if all was written that should be, if all was said that should be said, then you, you would know your real name. When you were once a morning star Far up above the heavens so high Far up above stars of stars if I forsake you, if I forget you, then let me forever roam. 
My father's house is my home. My father's house is my home. My father's house is my home. Well, thank you for listening. And now we're going to get on with the message, The Whisper of Satan. And we have so much to cover. And there's some points that <clears throat> I shared with you last week. And I want, to, um, I want to share some of those points because they're so very, very important. And um, I want to make sure that you understood the scriptures and, and the whole thing that I was saying. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to share with you what's going on in this world today as regards underground happenings. And I want, I want you to just be made aware that this underground thing is not new. And it goes back hundreds of thousands of years, goes back to the time when Lucifer, Satan, was plotting his plans for this earth planet. His plan, of course, was ultimately to be the king of kings and the lord of lords. And a god recognized by all other gods. Well, there is a new age war terrain that is also ancient, as I said, far below the, the surface of the terraria to deep underground levels. There are hard mold implants of another world. All is not underground dungeons. The underground planetary gate leads to the core shine of the planet and plots by Satan's bioengineering mind. The deep, it is written, has uttered its voice and lifted up its hands on high. Habakkuk 3.10 The Lord is king above all gods. We're speaking of the heavenly God now. In the Lord's hand are the deep places of the earth. Psalms 95, verses 3 through 4. God is aware of all that is going on, both above ground and underground. Ancient wisdom discovereth deep things out of darkness and bringeth out the light or bringeth out to light, the shadow of death. God wants us to have this ancient knowledge. God wants us to have this ancient insight. God wants us to be able to be right on score with all that is going on, so that we are not found wanting or ignorant. Now, 
there are many, many scriptures in the Bible about the underground. There are different words that tell about it. First Kings 18.4 through 13 talks about times that men of God and people of God had to hide by going underground. So it has been used by both the forces of light and the forces of dark. In 1 Kings 18, 4 through 13, it says, and I don't think I'm reading all of it, but a scripture at least, Obadiah hid a hundred prophets of the Lord in a cave to save them from being killed by Jezebel. There comes a time when there has been a call to go underground. And the Bible actually gives all kinds of scriptures along that line. Israel, in Judges 6-2, is described as making caves, creating caves, to hide from the Midians. Israel hid in caves many times. When they were being warred against by the Philistines, they hid in caves and pits. 1 Samuel 13-6. Hebrews 11.38 goes back over some history and it says that they wandered in deserts. Speaking of God's people. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. One of the words that describes the underground is the word beneath. Proverbs 15.24 says, To the wise, the way of life is above, that they may depart from the hell beneath. Isaiah 14.9 speaks of, Hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. Speaking of Lucifer, when he descends into his own prison that he has the keys to. Amos 2.9 says, Yet I destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of cedars, and he was strong as the oaks, as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. Keep that word roots, R-O-O-T-S, in mind as we'll see in the development of this uh, message, the importance. You can find scriptural references to another place. And I have ministered on this other place uh, before. And uh, I want to give you the information so you can, you can uh, play that recording. Uh, it's about Edrei, and that's E-D-R-E-I. And it talks about uh, an underground um, city. And this was a huge city. And, and uh, archaeologically speaking, it is still, still possible today to go there and walk down in this huge city that would house uh, thousands of people. And um, I spoke of that on uh, Tracks on the Mount of Transfiguration, Part 3, 
the third teaching on page 17, Edrei, this underground city where the giants lived. And uh, had they stayed down there, when Joshua and his armies arrived in the areas of Bashan and, and Hermon, uh, they might have survived because it would be very difficult even for the armies of, of uh, Joshua to have gotten down there and fought because of the nature of, of the labyrinth of that city. And, uh, and so it's quite a story and quite a teaching. And Edrei, E-D-R-E-I, Tracks on the Mountain of Transfiguration, Part 3, Third Teaching, page 17. And the scriptures, there's all kinds of scriptures. Numbers 21, 23, Deuteronomy 1, 4, Deuteronomy 9, 1 through 10, Joshua 12 through 31, Joshua 12 through 4, and it talks about Edrei and Bashan and Mount Hermon and all the connections and the importance. There is so much, so valuable to know, so important not to be left out. Well, what is going on in the world today as far as this kind of underground activity? Well, <laughs> a lot. A lot is going on. Let's just take a breeze over some of the places in the world where this kind of thing is huge. Now, <clears throat> we know that there is much to know and understand, but don't think that you're going to learn it in one or two broadcasts. For instance, Swedish military underground at Moscow has a huge underground facility. USA has over 120 underground bases in America. And when I say over, <laughs> I mean they are putting, they are, they are, are, are digging new underground operations uh, on a constant basis. The Lord had revealed to me that there was this huge underground secret that most people don't know about that goes underneath the ground of part of three states all in the same underground facility. So the over 120 underground bases in America is minor to what all is going on. Uh, the deep military bases called D-U-M-B-S, all capitals are covert operations. Raven Rock Mountain Complex, Underground Pentagon, Operations Centers for the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force. And then there's, there's all kinds of other Mount Weather, Area B, Underground Facility, Norton, Underground Air Force, California, it is said that two underground bases are being built a year in America, USA. Most of these are at least four kilometers deep. 
and have underground bunkers. There are huge and major underground military bases in Cambodia, Russia, China, Germany, and many of the nations of the world. In the the Yamanta or Yamantu Mountains, there is a city, four hundred square four hundred square miles, a city built consisting of four hundred square miles, four hundred square miles underground in Germany. Magic Mountain in Russia is a nuke-proof complex, not open to public, built under a city. China, underground air force bases, underground cyberspace facilities, Japan, India, Undersea bases, sub bases. I once had God revealed to me outside of the city Shanghai in in India. Uh, pardon me, not India. In Shanghai, in China, was a secret cyber technological underground base. In Japan, there's underground facilities for robot armies standing by. Japan also has high-tech schools underground. Some long time ago, H.G. Wells, the famous fiction writer, A.D. to 701, spoke of the Morlocks, human creatures that lived underground. I mean, the idea was out. The idea was there way, way back and way before then. In China, in Beijing underground, there's 30 kilometers underground. Stores, restaurants, schools, theaters, barbershops, skating rink. It could house up to 40% of Beijing population. In Saskatchewan, Canada, underground tunnels at Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. And it is speculated by a lot of people, even archaeologists, that there is a city of the gods, a metropolis, under the great Giza pyramid in Egypt, with underground tunnels and chambers, a vast underground city. Colorado, San Luis Valley, Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon has the Shanghai tunnels under Chinatown, which is all a whole forbidden city. 
Lyoniska salt mines in Poland, massive underground complex, statues, chapels, a cathedral, 186 miles in length. Genetics, underground genetics lab, Los Alamos, contains under, an underground lake. And during World War II was used by the Germans. In Cooper Petty, Australia, there's an underground facility that, that can house 1,600 residents has shops, pubs, church, graveyard. In Kish, Iran, an underground city, 2,500 years old, used for a water management system, 10,000 square feet complex. In Cappadocia, Turkey, underground cities, seven underground levels, seven underground levels, got that? can house residents in the thousands. Includes in the area the underground city of Durankuya, or Durankuyu, a hiding place at one time of Christians from the Romans. Cheyenne Mountain, U.S. government facility. Burlington, England, 60 miles of underground, road, railroad station, hospitals, underground lake. Ladies and gentlemen, it goes on and on and on. It is not minor. The deep. The Bible says in Genesis 7, 11, 8, 2, Fountains of the great deep were broken up. We think of that as being the the earth mantle, these blocks of of earth rock plates that get shifted and moved and even broken up. But don't be 100% sure that that is the full interpretation. Don't fail to understand that at the same time that, that God was using a worldwide flood to destroy everything on top of the earth, that there was something else happening for the networks that Satan had underneath the earth. And how in these underneath facilities, when the Bible says the fountains of the great deep, great deep, were broken up, I cannot doubt for one moment but what that also refers to the underground facilities that Satan had built and prepared and how that this nature of this flood and earthquake was so intense and so great that the destruction was both above ground and underground. Joseph in Blessings by Jacob. Jacob mentions the deep 
that croucheth beneath. Obviously, we're talking underground facilities. We know that it's pretty much a convincing thing now that there are secret underground facilities beneath the ruins of the old temple at Jerusalem. Psalms 95.4, as I read before, in his hand, the God of gods are the deep places of the earth. Daniel 2.22, God reveals the deep and secret things. Amos 7.4, the Lord God contendeth by fire, and it devoureth the great deep. It has been said that after this destruction by by water, the flood, and the earthquake, there was going to be another destruction that was going to be a destruction by fire. And here the scripture says that this fire is not only going to devour the surface things, but it's going to reach down to the great deep. And it says, And the Lord contended by fire, and it devoured the great deep, and did eat up a part. Though they dig into hell, then shall my hand take them. Though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them down. Amos 9.2 There are other words like innermost. Proverbs 18.8 and Proverbs 26.22 Wounds go down into the innermost parts of the belly. The belly and the innermost parts can represent the interior of the earth, the belly of the earth. It's interesting the connection of that with the serpent. Genesis 3.14 Upon thy belly thou shalt go. People not thinking of the 30, 60, 100-fold levels many times miss out on two-thirds of the revelation of the Bible. In Leviticus it says, Whatsoever goes upon the belly you shall not eat. They are an abomination. And so, we see how incredible some of these things have meaning. Take, for instance, Jonah in Jonah 1.17. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days. But in Jonah 2.1, he said, Out of the belly of hell cried I. So we see that the symbology of chapter 117 of the belly of the fish had a deeper meaning in Jonah 2.1 as being the belly of hell. And when you look up the meaning of that in Hebrews 75.85 Strong's Concordance Dictionary it means the world of the dead the subterranean 
And it could be anything from graves, hell, and the pit. So then we don't totally know as we look at those kind of references unless we have been given the meaning by the insight of God through, through Revelation. St. John seven thirty eight. Speaking of of words by Jesus, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. God is clear that he will take both that which is above the earth and that which is beneath the earth. Jesus, when he's speaking in Matthew 24, tells the people there that when they see this destruction come to Jerusalem and to the temple, which was in 70 A.D., when the Romans came to destroy it, that they were to flee. Don't worry about taking anything with you. Don't worry about any of your goods. You don't have time. Just run and flee and get out of there and go and hide in, in, in the rocks and the dens and the holes. Obviously meaning the caves. Get out and hide so these places can become refuge. And that's so important. We know that in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, it is so clear about that the war is not between flesh and blood, but the real war is a war between the principalities of light and the principalities of darkness. Sometimes a principality is called a prince. Sometimes a principality is called a lord of hosts. Sometimes a principality is called an archangel. They are all in the one, one the same thing, except being operative in different levels of happenings. The power-proof Bible scriptures, some of which we shared with you last week, represents a new steering wheel. A power in your hands and in the rhythm vibrations of those hands and in its connection to the mind and the spirit and the body to be able to turn things around, to steer into those unknown areas and discover the 30, 60, 100-fold truths. We want to take a little tour here to make people sure that people understand the position of Lucifer, Satan. The Bible tells us that the white throne judgment has not yet occurred. 
At the white throne judgment, everything that was involved in doing works in this universe will come to be judged. That includes the angels that, f that fell, the failed messengers. That includes the people who are those failed messengers. But in their different levels and operations of entityship. That white throne judgment has not yet occurred. Therefore, the trial to decide Lucifer, Satan's guilt and crimes has not happened. Therefore, Lucifer is under surveillance and suspicion and certain curtailments of his actions are in place. But otherwise, Satan is free until the time of the white throne judgment. Check that out about the white throne judgment in Revelations 20, verse 11 through 15. Now there is a scripture in Luke 10, 18. Luke 10, 18. Jesus sees Lucifer, Satan, fall from heaven as lightning. Now most people, when they hear that, they just feel that that means that he tumbled and bolted in this incredulous fall from heaven through the atmospheres and the skies to the slam down on earth. But you know, that is just not what happened. Think about it. Lucifer falling light, like lightning. Lightning is luminous and it has a lot of meaning and a lot of depth to it. It's used in the book of Revelations in several different inst instances to breathe the discourses of hidden messages that are involved in the lightnings and the thunders. And how that knowing what this, these lightnings and thunders are speaking and have really spoken will reveal the full conclusion of the all of the all. Now, it's, it's just so absolutely a master equation. We can see that this fall from heaven, as we use the word fall, and all its different meanings, can represent a spiritual fall, but not a physical fall. Now, when we make the comparison from Matthew twenty four twenty seven, Matthew twenty four twenty seven, where it says, "For as lightning cometh out of the east 
and shineth even into the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now when we hear that explanation of lightning, we see it as a journey. We don't think of Jesus tumbling and falling from the east to the west to get someplace. So there is a parallel between the lightning that Jesus saw Lucifer come down from heaven and the lightning of his coming. There is a parallel. And we will go into that. And it is exciting. Now we're going to take the time to have my wife Janet Lee play the Baldwin organ. And God bless her so much. And God bless you people that make statements about her playing. And it has been so encouraging to her. God bless you, Janet Lee.
Thank you so much, Janet Lee. And oh, I felt the spirit in that, in that music that you were playing. Thank you so much. And so we made the comparative that Jesus saw Lucifer fall from heaven as lightning. And we mentioned that there is such a thing as a spiritual fall, but not necessarily a physical fall. And we compared Matthew twenty four twenty seven, For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even into the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now please take note that it doesn't say the Son of God, but it says the Son of Man. And in some of the manifest teachings, which there's one teaching you have to go back a ways that's posted on the Manifestor blog uh, uh, postings, that's well worth you reading, you'd be able to see the difference of the administration between the Son of Man and the Son of God. Now the Son of Man has a physical body. And so obviously, this lightning that is shining from the east to the west and that is moving at this tremendous speed of light and is involved in the coming of the Son of Man is talking about the physical body flying in a physical zith. Or a spacecraft in which that body was flying. Now, as we look at this then, about Lucifer falling from heaven to earth or descending from heaven to earth, the word falls, F-A-L-L-S, in the Greek Strong's Concordance, number 4098, which is akin, that means associated with, and there is translational interchange there, akin to 4072 in Strong's Greek Concordance. So we got the word falls and how it develops into the word uh, flying by it being akin to number 4072 of the Greek Strong's Concordance. So Greek, number one, 4098, akin to Greek Concordance 4072. So Lucifer, Satan, then, when you add these words of the concordance, of the original words, it really is teaching, it really is saying Lucifer, Satan, flies down to earth from heaven and the word that is connected to flying that is in the akin associated connection to the Greek 4098 concordance dictionary word, which is 4072, mentions the word flying and mentions the the very important word, Lucifer, Satan, flies down to to earth from the heaven, alighting. That is not a crash, ladies and gentlemen. That is not a a huge suicide plunge or kicked out of heaven and tumbling through at the speed of light to crash into the earth. 
That is alighting. That is control. And connected with the word flying. In this case, it's very clear that the the true deep word translation of the word fall, because it has the spiritual essence, even though it is descending in a a vehicle, it has the spiritual message that means to descend down and, and alight on land on earth. So now we see the connection of the lightning that Jesus saw and the lightning that he describes of his coming. Now while still in heaven, speaking of Lucifer, as the covering cherub that it describes in the Old Testament, or cherubim, who was second in command to Gabriel, the archangel, the head archangel, as he began to take on the office of Yahweh, we're speaking of Lucifer, or Yahweh, that office called the Morning Star Office of Yahweh, Lucifer began to implant during the time he was in that office, under that title of the Morning Star, begin to implant into creation during the fifth Yom time, or days of generation, his, his own creation plan by a secret stealth into creation. Happening, happening on earth, this was eventually discovered and began war in heaven and the dismissing of Lucifer, Satan. And the very name Lucifer means morning star, shining one. The dismissing of, of Lucifer from his morning star covering angel job. He, nevertheless, refused to accept that judgment, refused to give up the title, the morning star, and that cannot be settled until the day of the white throne judgment. In Revelations 8.10, the third angel sounds, and a great, do not under-realize under or not allow the intensity and the magnitude of the word great star falls. It's a spiritual fall, but a spiritual, but a physical descent. Revelations 8.10, the third star sounds and a great star falls from heaven. Spiritual fall, but physical descent. The name of the star is called Wormwood, which name means gall and bitterness. And there is no question that when Lucifer was discovered and accusations came against him and there was war brought against him by the seraphims and he lost that battle and was forced to leave his office that though he challenged it he had to leave and there's no doubt that that 
word wormwood, which name means gall and bitterness, was his mental state. He was in the gall of bitterness for those decisions of great and deep anger. Well, when this wormwood star, this great star, began to to fall as a burning lamp, it fell upon one-third of the fountain of waters or the rivers, genetic rivers of waters. Now, when these words one-third is used here in the book of Revelations, it is used to symbolize this whole revelation about the one-third of the angels that fell. And so we have the examples of how that the, the patterns of things on earth reveal in their shadows and types the revelation of things in the heavenlies. And we see here the vivid importance. How that this one-third is representing the one-third of the, of the angels that fell. And there was three groups of angels. The seraphims, one-third. The cherubims, one-third. And the ophanim, morning stars, one-third. And so one-third fell to the earth. So the bitterness and the gall was directed toward these one-third of the Ophanims who were in, had fallen into human bodies and who are described in Genesis under rivers, which are genetic rivers. And this burning as a lamp, although full of this anger, his anger and bitterness still is with the purpose of intensity to still challenge and make him, himself, to be victorious and popular. Now, the vision to Moses described in Deuteronomy 29.18. The vision to Moses described in Deuteronomy 29.18 to separate those persons who would worship other gods. And it says, lest there be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. Moses had the understanding from God. He had the understanding from Yahweh Yaviel, that there was an implantation. He already knew about this great star that had fallen. And keep in mind, in the book of Revelations, in the Bible, the Bible nor the book of Revelations is not in chronological order. So when you read these different happenings, how that one might follow another, that is not a chronological order. That is a dispensational representation that has to be applied as understood by the Holy Spirit.
And so he said, least or unless or least there be a among you a root. Remember I said don't forget that word root. A root that, that beareth gall and wormwood. Now this vision and this saying that I just read to you here from Moses in Deuteronomy 29.18 was for those persons who were present during the ministry of Moses and and for those persons of the future to be born. And that is described in Deuteronomy 29.15. And that is very, very important. That's that sometimes when these uh, revelations happen or occur and they are applied during a dispensational time or during a ge- a time of, of generations or a time of, of people living in a certain uh, timetable, that they those uh, applications also apply to future people not yet born. And so we see that also in Hebrews 11, 39 and 40, it talks about people that, like Levi, who, although not born, was still able to get the benefit of, of meeting and knowing and participating in the Melchizedek revelation. And the manifest teaching calls that deferred progeny. So that though it happened not in your your time while you were physically there, you still reap the benefit of it. Now, The Lord talks about in Deuteronomy 29-28, and this is very important, that the purpose of this separation of those people who might be corrupted by this wormwood and who are corrupted because of worshiping other gods, in Deuteronomy 29-15, the vision expands that for those who were present during the ministry of Moses and those of the future to be born, that those people that were corrupted, the Lord would root them out of their lands. Now this is, I'm quoting this from the Bible, King James. The Lord would root them out of their lands and cast them into other lands. Now that casting out and casting to other lands also ties into regenerations. That these people that were bitter with the gall and the wormwood, they, they were they were polluted. His plan was to cast them out of those lands into other lands, and you could best understand that by re-engenerations. So then we see in scriptures, very important scriptures, like in Matthew, and though we've taught on this and we've read it before, 
we really need to read it again in Matthew 13 because it is such an astounding revelation and it's so important to see its connection to this thing about the wormwood that ha- it has fallen and has polluted the whole one-third of the fallen angels. And a person might wonder how in the world could that be? Well, let's look at uh, Matthew 13, verse 24. And another parable he put forth to them, saying, now we're in Matthew 13, verse 24, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Now, the original plan in Genesis was a plan of sowing good seed. But then that good seed got corrupted, and we're going to find out how and who and why. Verse 25, But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, it's not that there is something evil about having your sleep at night. The sleep it's really referring to is when people get into a slumber. The Bible says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, then cometh destruction in the night. It means that you have to be persistent and consistent about your belief in God. You have to live it from day to day, from moment to moment. Because gaps that happen allow the enemy to come in. While men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the house holder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then we go and gather them up? And he said, Nay, least while you gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together the first tares, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles. Now they are to be destroyed. Now this further interpretation goes on in the same chapter, chapter 13, verse 36. About the middle of that verse, the disciples of Jesus came unto Jesus, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Now they heard this parable as he was teaching it to the to the people that had gathered to hear him. And they were disciples, and they had been following him. And they had followed him in the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. And yet, though they were disciples, they really did not understand this deep revelation about the tares. So don't get too miffed out there, any of you that don't understand something. Just hold on, because the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing your earnestness and your desire, will eventually reveal to you 
the 60 and 100 fold as well as the 30. So Jesus answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Now the tares aren't just weeds. They actually represent humans. But they are children of the wicked one. And the Bible talks about Satan being a father. That if you do his works, then Satan is your father. So we've got the Father, the Lord, Father of Jesus, and we got the Father Satan. And it says, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Let's go back to verse 38. The tares are the, the, tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. Verse 41, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels. It's Son of Man still. This is a physical thing and will gather his people out of the kingdom of, of things that offend and shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them that do iniquity. Now, you begin to see the connection there with this star of wormwood and this pollution. And this means that every single human being is polluted, including the little baby, Adam, described in the 16th chapter of the book of Ezekiel who the Bible says was polluted in his own blood. So that this pollution was there in Adam and it's been in every human that exists. Now let me read again, as I read last week, Acts 17.26. Acts 17.26. And hath made, this is talking about God and the Lord, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. This whole thing about there being one blood is a proposition of it having to be made to be that way because it was not that way. There were many other kinds of humans who were basically offspring of the manufacturer of genetic engineering of Lucifer. They were really corrupted and they'd really gone into that corruption. And so there had to be this separation and this goes way back in time. And so that pollution has been here and is in every human being and to the extent that one is more 
uh, more uh, uh, rooted in gall and bitterness, more a, a terror than than it is a different kind of of, of of spiritual entity. That degree of difference is the story about every human being and their difference of lattice. And those things are so important to know, so important to understand, so important to apply. So the fifth angel sounds revealing in the book of Revelations, the fifth day generation of creation, and a, a star falls. And this is in Revelations 9, verse beginning in verse 1. And it's, and it's interesting how that this fifth angel sounds with this re reveal that happens, which connects it to the fifth day in the generation day of gen of, in Genesis when Lucifer, as a morning star, still as an Elohim, and, and, and people get so confused because they use this word Elohim to just mean God, and when they read God all the way through these verses... And they've got it applying just to the good God instead of the Elohim, then the whole message is is distracted and dislodged. And the importance of that, you know, in the beginning the gods created the heaven and earth. Instead, in the beginning, God, the Almighty, the Invisible, created it. And that's not taking anything away from God, because God created the Elohim and gave them creative abilities, and sent the angels out to create. But those angels are Elohim, they're not Eloha. And so once everybody gets that in their mind, then they can begin to understand as you go down this, the, the verses and the chapters of, of um, you know, the book of Genesis, that when it says God, just like in Chronicles and Samuel, where one place called uh, uh, Satan uh, the Lord, and the other place called him Satan. But it was the exact same happening by the same exact person, which was a very negative thing to egg on uh, David to number the children of Israel against the plan and the commandments of God. And yet those two verses that seemed to be naming two different kinds of entities were really naming the same entity. It was the Lord Satan. And so when we begin to understand when it says Elohim, that Elohim can be, can be the Lord Satan. It can, be, it can be bad angels. As, and, and the word Elohim can be good angels. Those words like Elohim, and they were tied into to some of the Babylonian and Mesopotamian uh, you know, ancient uh, God's kind of, of terms. So even some of the people who were believers of, of, of the Israel Jewish religion uh, ended up with, with names of Baal, B-A-A-L, uh, which were corrupted names, but those names stuck with some of those people. So now we've got the fifth angel sounds revealing the fifth day the generations of creation, a star falls, descends to the earth, and to him is given the key of the bottomless pit. Now get it straight. That Lucifer, Satan, has the key. This is talking about Lucifer. 
he falls and he's got the, he falls or he descends, but it's, he is given the key to the bottomless pit. And in one of the verses, uh, Revelations 20, verse 7, it talks about when Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. So that not only did he have the key to the bottomless pit, it was his prison. He was in charge of it. And he assigned the son of perdition, which was one time Judas Iscariot. And as we begin to get into that and understand that, it's just incredible. So Acts 17, 26, you know, when it says God has made all nations of humankind to become, to become one blood. When you have such a verb as that, it clearly demonstrates that before it became to be something, it was not. So there were humans then that did not have all the same blood that were differentiated. But the Bible says that God had a plan so that he eventually eradicated all these other kinds of humans as described in Genesis 6 and various other scriptures throughout the Bible so that it would become one blood for all the nations of the earth, which it is to this day. That's Acts 17.26. It's just absolutely important. Now, the Bible talks about this, this gulf, G-U-L-F, of separation. And that is um, in Luke 16.26. And in Strong's Greek Dictionary Concordance, Greek Concordance, number 5490, it speaks in there a very interesting thing, which is a fire of truth. It speaks about the impassable, the unpassable interval. And that word interval is so important. This interval of space this interval of the space of time, this interval of intervention, this interval of separation between two opposing forces. We talked about this bottomless pit could not be on earth because it'd be impossible to be bottomless without it being a hole from one end of the earth through and a hole through the other end of the earth which is not the case. But that this bottomless pit was, was, a, was in space and it had no top and it had no bottom. But it was a, a space that was a, a designated space. And it in fact was an interval, interval of space. And between that interval of space and Abraham's bosom 
was an un, unpassable distance and state of space that no one from the the interval of the bottomless pit space could leave and enter into the space of Abraham's bosom, nor could anyone from Abraham's bosom space leave and enter into the interval of Satan's prison, of Satan's charge had the key to bottomless pit interval of space where you will see that as soon as he is handed the keys in Revelations 9 through 11 that he immediately begins the creation of the locust people And all the meanings of what, of what that has to do with the future plans. So, we understand by the scripture in Revelations 11, uh, 15, that for years and years and years I have I heard Preachers and pastors and evangelists talk about how that this this world belongs to God. And God is in control of this world. But you know that is not Bible. That is just plain not Bible. And so when people are blaming God for all the things that are happening on this earth, part of it is to the blame of the church world that has told the followers and the believers of their teachings over and over and over again that this world is in control by God, that this earth world is the property of God, that, that God has everything to do with anything that happens. And that is not Bible, nor is that true. Jesus said, when you pray, pray after this manner to the Father which art in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now when you ask for the kingdom to come and the will to be done, it's because the kingdom has not come and God's will is not being done. And the request was for that to happen on earth as it is happening in heaven, which is absolutely 100% clear that it is not happening. And that's why you are praying that prayer, that it is a futuristic event. So then, the Bible tells us in Revelations 11.15, that an event does happen. And when that event happens, the Bible says, the kingdoms of this world become, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of Christ 
and the Lord his Father. Now there you have that verb again, become. That means it has not happened. And it isn't going to happen. The kingdom of God has not come. The will of God is not happening here on earth. Sure, there are people who are obeying the Holy Spirit, which is the ghost of God. And there is an expedience of the will of God being performed among some of those people that are in obedience to God. But in the meanwhile, Satan is involved with what's going on. He's got the keys. And he's manufacturing the Lotus Mantis people. The Mantis of being part of the family of the Lotus. And, and they're actually, the meaning of that word Mantis is, you know, it's like praying prophet. Praying in the sense of praying on people as a predator, but a prophet making predictions. And that is all tied in to the incredible revelations of this Word of God. So God is asking us to, to be sealed in the fore, our forehead. And let me just read again this very important scripture in the book of Isaiah, chapter 29. Woe to Ariel. To Ariel, mentioned twice, because there's two Ariels. Ariel, the city of David. Ariel, the city of Satan. The lion of the tribe of Judah the lion, the roaring lion that goes around seeking whom he may devour. Being represented here where David once dwelled. And he says, I will distress Ariel. He's talking about this lion, roaring lion. And there shall be heaviness, sorrow, and there shall be, that shall be unto Ariel. I will come against thee around about, and will lay siege against thee with a mount, and raise forts against thee, and you will be brought down, and shall speak out of the ground, and thy speech shall be low out of the dust, and thy voice shall be as one voice that hath a familiar spirit, out of the ground, and thy speech shall whisper out of the dust. This act of bringing Lucifer Satan down isn't a complete act of his destruction or his judgment. It's a battle described in Ephesians 6 that's going on now. A fort a siege, a, a war of the children of light against the children of darkness, of the principalities of light against the principalities of darkness. But Satan, it says, 
it's going to go low and he's going to whisper out of the ground. Now that is not just nonsensical because the Bible says in Genesis out of the ground there was all these creations that took place out of the ground. Now this whispering out of the ground and notice that it bespeaks of its unity. It says, And thy voice shall be as of one, of one that hath a familiar spirit. And this revelation of the familiar spirit and all that it can do is incredible. Now, I once saw a movie. I don't even remember the name of it. But I was very interested in it. And how it went was like this. There was this demon possessed or spirit possessed I don't know that in the dream it was necessarily called a demon but it was a possessed terror type of spirit that was in this person and they were trying to capture somebody isolate the, the somebody that had the spirit in them so that they could eradicate this spirit but every time that they would be close to imprisoning or getting this spirit in this person located and get them in a prison or in a, a location where they had them uh, bound from being able to contact anybody, something would happen. Some person would come by and maybe shake hands or say something to that, to that person that had the spirit and as soon as that connection happened, bam! The spirit would leave that body and go into that other body. And so then it would walk out and they would not know that the spirit had escaped. Finally, the story goes that they had this body wounded and was on the ground. And it was separated from where any human person, it was so far out in the in the the wilderness that there was no humans out there that could come and touch this body and be able to um, have a transfer of the spirit. But while it was there on the ground dying, a cat came over and sniffed and touched the body and immediately that spirit went and entered into the cat and then the cat took off and it had contact with other people and the transfer just went on and on and on unendingly. Well, I want to tell you that story of the transfer. It's a Bible. And it's an incredible story. But it's going to have to be next week. Because I can hardly believe that with all I have to share and to, to teach you of all this incredible spirit uh, revelation about the whisper of Satan. I, for today, have run out of time. So God bless you. Cause his spirit to come over you. May his angels encamp around about you. And may they lift you up, lest you dash your feet against the stone. And may this revelation live in you and heal you of every sickness and deliver you from every demon and ever spiteful, angry person. God bless you. We love you. Janet Lee at the Baldwin Organ. Until next week.